So welcome to the coaching question and our review of season two. We're working hard on season three, but so much has changed since uh, we started the podcast in lockdown. Um, like our review of season one, we're just going back and having some reflections because so much has changed. One of the things that's changed today is that Sarah is still suffering from COVID. You're just coming out of uh, a recovery from having COVID, haven't you? Yeah, fingers crossed. It's uh, um, I'm on the, I've turned a corner, I hope. Yeah, well, you're able to work a bit. Um, I spoke to yes. you three days ago and you were in no fit state to be on the phone and, and got told to go back to bed. <laughs> That's true. Yes, you're very good. But yes, I am. I mean, I've, I've been vaccinated, so I think it's been less, much less horrendous than it would have been for plenty of people who are unfortunate to go through it last year before we had the vaccine rollout. Yeah, the, the world is changing. I, I went to James Bond last night at cinema, which was a very different thing to do. So a review of season two, what stands out for you, Sarah? Um, well, I think that when when we were looking over the, all of the different um, episodes, one of the things that, that really stood out was this was a bit of a theme around investment. Because we, we talked about, we had very lucky to have John Anderson come and join us and you know talk about his performance coaching. We'll come back to that in a second. But also thinking about comparing coaching and training and thinking about the training robbery and thinking about is it good business to offer coaching to everyone. So I think there was a sort of a theme for me, particularly around investment. Yeah, and it was interesting because when we we planned this, the Paralympics were still on. I know we're going to talk about the Olympics in a minute, but David Weir, our Paralympian uh, wheelchair racer, uh, he didn't win, but he, in his interview, referenced the lack of investment in terms of equipment. Uh, they were still on, uh, I think, aluminium frames, and the, they're competing against people in carbon fibre framed wheelchairs. So there's there's the definite story between it's not only about what you do coaching wise, etc., but there there has to be this thing around investment. And I also was reflecting at a time that's also linked to diversity and inclusion. How I was so proud of how Britain has really led the way in terms of diversity and inclusion in terms of the Paralympics. And I think it's having a real impact on our society. Absolutely. And, and actually, that just makes me think, I mean, more recently in the news, we've just had the COVID report um, or the report into how the, the UK government has dealt with the pandemic. And one of the criticisms that's been raised is groupthink. Yeah. And the impact that has had on how we have performed as a nation with the pandemic, you know, and comparing that globally. So again, it's just just a related note, really, in terms of you know diversity and inclusion, how that can make a difference to performance, overall performance. Yeah, a lot of time people think about diversity and inclusion, they're maybe thinking about gender or race, etc. But one of the things to really think about is diversity of thought. And mm. we need diversity of thought, and that's one of the things uh, that the government uh, didn't have. And the government uh, and that whole community and the scientists were involved as well in reading that report. And but back to, back to the uh, Olympics, you were checking in with John, but you actually looked at our track record. Yeah, I was amazed, actually. I mean, I wasn't amazed. I mean, I was amazed in terms of just how amazingly well we're doing. So we finished the Games with a grand total of 65 medals this year. So that's 22 gold, 21 silver, 22 bronze, putting us in fourth place. But what I thought was really interesting is that that meant that we had comfortably surpassed, it says here, the pre-Games medal target. And it means that actually we have, we've got a really consistent performance 
record of doing really well. And I just, I mean, I'm not a big sports person, so I'm not, can't claim to be somebody who watched the Olympics from start to finish, as I know John will have done, but I, I, it's phenomenal, right? Yeah, and the thing that, that point out, when you relayed that to me, what really came up for me was in terms of the episode we did about, you know, should we have coaching for everyone? The thing that made the difference really, we were able to do the coaching. We were able to really up our performance in the Olympics, just like upgrade your performance in business because of the investment that came from the lottery. So they had funding that went into the sport and therefore we got great results. And the sort of stuff that John was talking about, uh, putting into practice, they were able to do. Yeah. So again, it goes back to this, I think that theme that's come through in reviewing season two, there's quite a lot about where you invest. Yes. And there is, I mean, we were reflecting generally the demand for coaching is quite high at, at the moment. Yeah. and I, I mean, I think we were just sort of thinking about why is that? And I think there's some of the more obvious reasons such as burnout, you know, people adjusting um, after such a prolonged period of uncertainty. We've got the hybrid working that people are still trying to find their way through. I mean, I've actually seen quite an increase in terms of parental coaching, maternity coaching, and just general provision. As I say, we talked about this in this in the season one review. So, I think that I think there's been a lot that that people have been have been facing, and it has placed a demand on organisations. Um, and when you were talking about an organisation who every time anyone is facing a transition, that they're offered a coach. Yeah, I think it's it's actually one of the largest employers in the world. So they have a significant leadership population. But yeah, as soon as any of mm. them have a promotion or a, a, a move, they are offered coaching support and they're pretty much expected to take the coaching mm. support. And why, why wouldn't you? Mm. And I thought that was just great. It, it's not coaching for everyone in that instance, but you could see this, it's been thought of as a policy. And I think when you think about burnout, et cetera, I think some organisations are looking at, well, we want to support this individual I can't put them on a training course because there isn't a training course for this, but I can use coaching. And I've seen also an increase in organisations really taking quite seriously, being able to offer more of a counselling type provision as well. So where you've got someone who perhaps has a mental health challenge, maybe coaching isn't the right place for them to go and to provide them with that counselling support because there are a high number of people who've really struggled and continue to struggle. Um, and unsurprisingly yeah. so with all the, the challenges that everyone's had to face. I was just, just going to say, I think this, this idea about kind of coaching being more available generally is also reflected in the demand for some of these more kind of online platforms. So it's been a big explosion, hasn't there, in, in organisations such as Better Up, there's Thrive, there's a number of other platforms where it's this sort of on-demand coaching, which again, I know we've talked about before. But it's, it's kind of bringing coaching into people's homes via technology for a 45-minute session on demand when you need it which again i think is reflecting just this this trend towards providing it making it easier for people to access yeah and especially to the less senior levels of the organization yeah which has always got to be good and another episode in season two that came to mind uh, just recently was dealing with feedback and coaching and i was mm -hmm. talking about you know the, the ongoing benefits of feed forward and it can be hard for, firstly, so for to summary, feedback is always, based on the past, is generally critical. And that's why it's hard to get good feedback because people don't want to be critical. 
but feed forward is always about the future and you're saying this is my development area what are one or two pieces of advice you could give me in that area daniel pink who's the author of books like drive he has a, a little video he puts out called pink cast and he covered feed forward in his last one but he wasn't calling it feed forward he basically said don't ask people for feedback they don't like giving it ask people for advice because they love to give advice and I thought that was a really good point about Feed Forward. It is asking people advice and people do like to give it. Sarah, you were mentioning uh, that particular episode in terms of sharing. Yeah, I mean, I've just found it to be a really useful episode to share with clients if they've sort of talked about wanting to to get better at, you know, giving or receiving feedback. Um, so I, ju- I think it's just quite a resourceful episode. So I'd, if you've not listened to it, I'd encourage people to, to give it a go and, you know, share it because I think it's a useful useful ideas in there well and that was a point actually you were making a point about environment so one of the things that john talks about in his episode is you know there's lots of different elements to his his performance model so i don't want to do it a disservice here um but one of the aspects that i was just reflecting on thinking about is how team gb performed so well at the olympics and what can organizations learn from that as we try and bounce back from the impact of the pandemic and you know we've already talked about lots of different things in regards to the great resignation and people reevaluating life choices all that sort of thing and I mean I think I read yesterday that the number of job vacancies in the UK is sky high so there's a lot of change going on and I was thinking about how can organizations learn from that amazing success of team GB look at John's model what can we apply and one of the things that just stood out for me when I was looking at it was about environment and visualization so he was talking about athletes will visualize being successful. And it's a classic goal setting approach, isn't it? What is it I want to achieve? I'm going to close my eyes, I'm going to visualize it, and I'm going to kind of make that a regular practice so that it starts to feel really real for me. And I was thinking, actually, if we think about it, organizations at the moment, you know, we're all in this hybrid working environment. We don't quite know what success looks like yet because we're in that no yeah. man's land that you and I have talked about before. So actually, that's really difficult for individuals, for organizations, for managers to do, to visualize, well, what does success look like in this in this hybrid world? And so that was the first point. And then the second point was about environment and thinking about, you know, high performing environment. What what do the athletes need? And one of the things I remember John talking about was even having these sort of these coaches who would work with these young athletes, even around their lifestyle and around their diet, so that every single aspect of their life is optimal. And I was thinking, I don't know about you, but I don't think there's very many people I know right now who would be able to describe every aspect of their life as optimal. Uh, no, I thought it was a really good, important part of the model to highlight because um, one of the models I use is logical levels of learning. And, and that basically mm-hmm. says that if you have a problem or an issue at one level, you go to the level above. That's where you're going to find a solution. And environment is right at the bottom in that model it gets discounted because it's basically saying, I've got a problem with my environment, I change it with my behavior. So if I'm too cold, I turn the heating up. Yeah, Mm -hmm. But actually, you then go to higher levels in that model. So, you know, if you've got a problem with your decision-making or or giving feedback, maybe, it might be an issue with values. But the, the challenge is the environment impacts us everywhere. And it's quite easy for us to just not notice it and not notice the Mm. importance of environment. And it comes in everywhere. And there's a story about two young fish swimming along 
and having a chat. And then this much older fish comes along the other way and says to them, water's lovely today. And one young fish turns to the other young fish and says, what's he talking about? What's water? (laughs) And it's a really good metaphor for corporate culture. People don't notice what's in the environment. And we didn't notice how important the structures we got from just an environment was when it came to COVID and being in lockdown. Mm. And there's and there's even something for me in that around variety. And I'm saying this, you know, what day am I now? Day seven into self-isolation of not being able to leave my house. You've got nuts, And you? I mean, I know, well, I am going nuts. I'm absolutely going nuts. And I mean, I know I've been kind of, you know, not quite trapped, but pretty much restricted. My world has shrunk. All of our world has shrunk with the pandemic and, you know, working from home and lockdown, all the rest of it. But actually just being in these four walls and knowing I can't get out, it's not doing me any favours at all. And for me, there's something about variety. And I know I need variety anyway, but actually variety in terms of my environment, stimulating my thinking, I think is so important. Yeah, and we mentioned um, Esther Perel's podcast and yes. in our, in our, our last podcast, talking about that and, and trying to maintain this, this connectivity. And speaking yeah. about connectivity, it's a, a really important part because we covered chemistry sessions in season two mm. and making sure you've got that connectivity. You know, my professional organization is, is APEX, Association for mm-hmm. Professional and Executive Coaches and Supervisors. And uh, we were running a CPD session recently on chemistries. And this lovely question came up. And I thought that would have been a good one to put in our chemistry session podcast. And the question was to ask a potential coachee, once they know what coaching is, because some people enter coaching chemistries and they're really not clear what coaching is, but once they're clear what coaching mm. is, what it would have to happen for you to really welcome coaching into your everyday process, mm. such that you would be really looking forward to the sessions, not just oh, I've got a coaching session, but oh, brilliant, I've got a coaching session this week. I can't wait. Mm. And that question, I used it the other day in a chemistry session, and it generates a much deeper level of awareness for the potential coachee Mm. as to what has to be present for them to make it really worthwhile. And that's brilliant for the coach, the potential coach, to be saying, yeah, yeah, I can can help do that, or no, I'm I'm not up for that. Yeah, and what I liked when you shared that with me is, for me, it just made me think about creating that space, intentionally creating that space for it. Because so often I'll have a client who's, you know, dashing from one meeting and going into a next and sort of coaching is squeezed in between. But as coaches, we will always make sure there's time either side of a coaching session so that we can prepare and take notes and think think ahead and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And this is making me think about one of the episodes we've got coming up in season three, where we've got James Edgar, who is an HR director but also a trained coach. And we're going to be talking to him about how organisations can get maximise the return on investment um, that they get from their coaching. So I think that could be quite an interesting one to explore with him, chemistry sessions and, and how people can really, as you say, welcome coaching into their everyday. And I think if we reflect, I, mean, I think one of the things that seemed to get people talking a little bit was adult vertical development podcast that we did. Yes. And the thing I was really kicking myself immediately after we... Uh, published that I heard a new metaphor um, which was fantastic so it was basically saying if you think about your smartphone 
horizontal development, like a skills training course or something, is like getting mm -hmm. a new app on your phone. Whereas vertical development, if you're moving between levels vertically, that's like upgrading your operating system. And so there are some things you can do with training and that's like a new app, but there's some things when people really need to upgrade their, their whole operating mm. system, that's where coaching really, mm. really comes in. And I was gutted that I didn't have that metaphor before. Oh, well, you've said it uh, now. Because it's such a fantastic metaphor. But the other thing that, that linked to that was when we did the mm -hmm. Great Training Robbery article. And it was, you know, where are you going to invest your, your money? And we, our, our basic argu argument was, you know, a lot of the time you'd be better spending your money on coaching rather than training mm. if you're not doing the training right. And I read an, another article, and we'll put it in the show notes. And this was an article which was looking at transformational leadership behavior. So transformational leadership is a model where they're showing these certain leadership behaviors are shown to be transformational. But so the, the, this article is by Kirstie Spencer and Mark McDonald. And the quote that stood out for me is teaching the behaviors of a transformational leadership mindset and then expecting commensurate actions from a leader who lacks the requisite meaning making capacity. So that would relate to their vertical development level. So from a leader who lacks a record of mini-making capacity or cognitive complexity is at best a short-term solution. Mm -hmm. So what they're basically saying is, if you're not at the appropriate level from a vertical development perspective and you spend money on transformational leadership training, mm -hmm. you're basically wasting your money. So it was, it was this real link between, if I'm going to spend my money doing this training, and it needs to fit in with my strategy and be done strategically. It has to fit in with the shape of mind of the people I'm doing it with. I like that language, shape of mind, because I think, I think for some HR people listening, you know, I love the, um, the, the adult vertical development model. It makes an awful lot of sense to me. But I think that for some HR people, it may just be yet another model that maybe they can't apply or that, you know, that they can't use in their organization. But I think that some of the thinking behind it can be really useful and one of the things that I was thinking about in reflection or on reflection in terms of that great training robbery and where you invest your money for me there's a lot about partnership so you'll either have peer-to-peer -peer coaching or um, you might have actual coaching with a coach but it's thinking about how can I take this new learning this new way of thinking that I've gained from this training and actually apply it in the workplace in a meaningful way I was reflecting, when we were talking about this, I was reflecting that when I've been coaching along, so I, the coaching has been done alongside a leadership development program. Sometimes it's just fate. That's the way it's happened that way. And when people have been on these more senior leadership development programs, where they've really came back and it's made a huge difference to them is two things. One, they're working on the strategic elements of the business. So just like the great training robbery article says, you start from the strategic and you make sure your training is in and development is in support of the strategic. So that's the first thing. The second thing is a greatly enhanced level of connectivity and relationship between the different members of the team on these leadership development courses between them as peers and also with their immediate seniors. 
And it's that huge increase in connectivity and relationship that really makes a difference. And that's also what we get in coaching. It's this connectivity and relationship that really, really matters. No, I like I like that. Well, it's about the connection, isn't it? It's about having that support and that challenge in that interpersonal way. Yes, and I've had other people coming back from, I remember one organisation, their directors were off on a three, directors and VPs were off on a three-day off-site and they came back and I was asking them what happened. And they said, this thing that there was one session that was really good, it was about diet and nutrition. And it was like tumbleweeds going across the, the, the screen. It was, it was like, oh, they've been in this 3D offsite. It's a wonderful opportunity. But what they took away from it was this fantastic session on nutrition, which they could apply to their lives, which is why they, they, they were really keen on it. But the, the rest of it, just just missed the mark. It was probably a waste of money. I think maybe the final one we'll talk about, which is the the session with or we interviewed Kim Gregory on yes. coaching and uh, education. Yes, and we were we were talking to Kim about why should a head teacher invest in coaching. And Kim is a very special person. And actually, what I think is really warming is just the comments how people have reacted to this metaphor that I think, I think you might've shared actually, because you know Kim better than me, um, of, of Kim as a coach walking through a field of flowers and the flowers blooming as she passes. I just thought that was such a beautiful metaphor. And that is, that is what I think the best coaches can be like. You know, when they interact with people, they, they bloom. And I thought that was a wonderful metaphor. And it's lovely to hear that people have been reacting so positively to, to that metaphor, I, I just thought it was great. So one of the things that I've been involved in recently, which has got me thinking following that podcast with Kim, has been um, where I've been working with a school to support the teachers to take more of a coaching approach, kind of to, to switch off that expertise voice in their head and to take more of a coaching approach as they're doing some sessions with students around um, taking more accountability and learning to be more assertive and you know teaching them some life skills really as they as they go through school which I think is great because it's you know everybody can benefit from coaching and you and I both hold on to that philosophy but not only head teachers but schools in general how can they do more coaching bring more coaching into their environment and it's a real challenge if you've developed through this industry maybe for decades with a Mm. real pedagogic approach Mm-hmm. You know, it's about teaching and, and you're suddenly being asked to do it a different way. So should we wrap it up there? So thank you for listening to this episode. We really just wanted to take a moment to pause and reflect on the journey that we've we've been on. And we're really excited about our third season. I can't believe we're on season three, um, which will be coming out in early 2022. We've got some great episodes there to uh, to look out for. So do follow us, do share our episodes because we really do appreciate all that you do to help spread the word. And if you've got any suggestions or questions that you'd like to share with us, please do email us at info at thecoachingquestion.com. And I would just like to commend you, Sarah, in, in lasting a whole episode, <laughs> uh, even in your, uh, in My your COVID, COVID state. state. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. See you soon.